When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. From Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider from Learfield. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam here with you. Buckle up, Adam! Are you buckled? Are we about to close our eyes for five seconds? No, but we... Whoa, I mean, I guess we could do the show with our eyes closed. We... I mean, that's how good we are. We could do our show, this show with our eyes closed, and we'd still knock it out of the park, especially when we have a bunch of great stuff to talk about like we do today. Tariels are the Sunbelt East champions <laughs> after defeating Georgia State 35-28. What a... Uh, what a twist of fate, Adam, that in a year where the Sun Belt is the cool kid on the block, the Tar Heels have beaten the two Sun Belt teams at their place. A schedule that initially looked a little bit like, I'm not sure why the Tar Heels are doing that, has now changed into the Tar Heels are road warriors yeah. who will play anyone, anytime, yeah, that's right. anywhere. That's right. We got you circled, Louisiana Lafayette. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing better in the world than your team winning early on a Saturday and then get to sit around and watch other teams lose. And judge them. Yeah. Like, I'd never do that. Dario's <laughs> never lose to Appalachian, Texas A&M, whatever. I don't even remember what the score of that Georgia State game was, but I do know the Tar Heels handed it to them, <laughs> Nebraska. 
So uh, we'll look back at the uh, Georgia State game, although I have to warn you, if it happened in the end zone <laughs> to the left of your TV screen, it may as well happen in Oklahoma, as far as I'm concerned, because I couldn't really see it. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh, I have a vacation from life. Mm. I have, and I don't even want this. Although the vacation from life could also be, you're such an idiot, Brianna. I'm not really sure which one it falls into, mm. but we have the fun music for vacation for life. So I think I'll, I think I'll call it that. Adam has a list. Sounds like I don't really need to be here. Uh, we have, of course it's Tuesday. So we've got a, how can you justify that brought to you by Crumley Roberts? And it's, it's falling directly on. Really, Adam's fault, but I'll take some of the blame, too. Adam went to the new cookout. I'm sure that's on the list. No big deal. If you ever want to know, if you ever want to know the real makeup of this podcast, I want you to think about this. I was in a hotel room, like, eating a $29 room service hamburger. Now, they don't even do room service. You got to go to the restaurant and order it to go, and then they jack up the price and give you the room service price. I think maybe they don't understand what room service is. That's not room service. Meanwhile, Adam's tweeting out pictures like all smiling and happy and like, oh, look, I've got a cookout shake. It's the pot shake. Look at me. I'm Adam. Do you know how many? I'm going to do half rapid reactions this week. (laughs) Do you know how many trays I could get for $29? (laughs) I can get the whole menu. Just give me one of all of that. Here's your $29. Uh, Would I be able to walk the next day? Possibly not. So, I'm sure Adam will give us his review of that. Uh, there are a bunch of other stuff that's going to happen, too. Who knows? We don't even know. We do know. Adam, a unique guest. Linda Finley. You're probably like, I don't even know who that is. Unless you're in the business world, because then you do, because she's big-time CEO. A blue apron. Big-time Tariel fan. Has a master's degree from Carolina. As you'll learn, she watched the 93 championship from a pizza hut on Franklin Street. Doesn't get any grittier than that. (laughs) She's been the CEO of Etsy. Yep. She worked for Alibaba.com, which she said that website name a lot during the interview during one point. I don't even know what it does. What's it do? Is it kind of like Amazon? Kind of, yeah. Is it is it like Google? <laughs> They're involved in e-commerce. Can I make it my home screen? <laughs> I have a question. The Pizza Hut on Franklin. Okay. Where what what is it now? Where where was that? Is, there was a Pizza Hut across from the post office, not directly on Franklin, but kind of just off Franklin. Maybe that's what she near means. Eastgate. That's what I was thinking. I don't I don't remember. I don't remember there being an actual Pizza Hut on Franklin Street. So I think it has to be this one. And the as you'll hear when she tells her tale, it sounds like it might have been a little out of the way. Yeah. Which is where I where that Pizza Hut would be. A little little off the beaten path, but still the setting for incredible fond memories. Yeah. We get some uh we get some business advice. I really feel like I'm we're broadening our horizons and yours as well. Travel tips. Travel tips. And more. So that's coming up too. And who is all of this brought by? Brought to you by? Who could encompass all of this goodness in one location? Oh, <laughs> you know the answer. 
with Pinehurst. Yes, of course, there is Donald Ross's masterpiece, Pinehurst Number 2. But that's not all, Adam. There is Gil Hans's stunning redesign of Pinehurst Number 4. Grab a couple wedges. Just do it. Go get some out of your bag. Get that 60 degree, your 56 degree, your 52 degree, whatever you have. Take it right there. Get to the cradle. That's the fun short course. Take a little loop around it. Then you're probably tired. Go unwind at the Pinehurst Brewing Company for craft beers and classic North Carolina barbecue. Just down the hill from the fully renovated Manor Inn. Never been a better time at the Cradle of American Golf than right now. Pinehurst.com. Plan your visit. Never a better time. Today is the actual best time. Right now? Yep. Now it's right now. Hmm. Now it's right now. It's it's always a great time. Adam. Okay. It was also a great time to be a Tar Heel in Atlanta on Saturday in front of a packed house in, in former Turner Field. Uh, it was a unique setup. And it really was an odd scenario to walk into, Adam, for the Tar Heels. It was a rainy day, gross day in Atlanta. It, it, there were people there, but it was not a huge crowd. What in Kid Brewer Stadium? Who could ever walk into that hornet's nest and get a victory? Uh, there are a lot of Tar Heel fans there, by the way. So what up to the Tar Heel fans in Atlanta? Always a great showing for uh, Carolina faithful down there. And, Adam, the Tar Heels just kind of gutted out a victory. And they had the lead early, 21-3. to And yet, it kind of felt a little fool's goldy. Because Carolina hadn't really moved the ball great. They had the long pass play to uh, Morales early on. The second touchdown drive was a little more sustained. And then they had that long pass to Pesor, a big-time catch and throw. And led it 21-3. to And you just, you kind of you kind of felt like, oh, okay. All right, Tar Heels are going to in control of this game. But then they just couldn't quite put Georgia State away. And to Georgia State's credit, I do think Georgia State has a really good defense. I think it's the best defense Carolina's seen this year. It won't be the best they see all season, I'm guessing, but I do think it's a very good defense. And it gave Carolina problems. The, the Tar Heels struggled to run the ball until late when Omari and Hampton just had, had enough of this mess. Uh, they pressured Drake May. He, for the first time, at times looked like a redshirt freshman, which is okay. That's what he is. And you knew he would at some point in time. And they played that end of the half, beginning of the half card that Carolina had done really well. They scored late in the second quarter and then on their first possession of the second half, although that could have been worse, of course. Miles Murphy with the big block field goal at the uh, very end of the first half. That was a huge play in the game. And... You look up, and all of a sudden, somehow, Georgia State's up 28-21, and Carolina's not moving the ball, and it's just not going really well. And, Adam, at that point, two things happened. Omarion Hampton started to run the ball really effectively. He had the long touchdown run, plus, in the next drive, after the first touchdown run tied it, the next drive, he had, like, an 8-yard run, an 11-yard run, a 14-yard run, which... Not that those are enormous plays, but Carolina wasn't getting those plays for a large majority of the game. And 
then they had the long pass to Copenhaver, which set up eventually the go-ahead touchdown. But more important than that was the fact that the Tar Heel defense, which had been better than the week before, as Mac Brown said in the postgame, a low bar, but better than the week before, yet not sparkling. Four straight possessions for Georgia State, four straight punts, and only 17 total plays on those four drives. Georgia State is not a terrific offensive team. And yet, Carolina's defense had to go out there and do something, and it did it to help Carolina win the game. So, at the end of the day, similar to Appalachian, lots to work on, but you won the game. And now, as we talked about, you go into this bye week, and you have a little, a little bit of time to assess where you are, figure out what needs to get better or have a little more time to be able to figure that out without a game right right breathing down your neck. So the Tariels did what they had to do to get to this point. I think you go into the bye week feeling really good about the offense. Yes. As Mac Brown said, they turned it over three times and still scored 35 points against a good defensive team. You found your quarterback. You've got Great depth at tailback, and various players have made multiple plays at various times, so you feel really good about that. You felt bad that Josh Downs was out, but that's turned into, oh, look at these other guys we have. So now you feel good about wide receiver. The tight ends are playing incredibly well. Big time. I mean, they are weapons for the Tar Heels. Two of the biggest plays of the game were the Morales touchdown and the long play to, to Copenhaver. And all three of them, Bryson Nesbitt being the other, All three of them have made significant plays within the first three weeks. The offensive line has played well enough. Well, and they were without Spencer Rollin this week, who had been starting at right tackle, and I think you saw a little bit of wobbliness on the right side, particularly Jonathan Adorno, who had gotten his first start. I think he settled down. I think early in the game he was struggling a little bit, but he settled down as things went along. Going to face better defenses. Sure, yeah. Um, but I think overall you came into this season thinking, oh, Sam Howell's gone, not sure about the depth at some other positions, and now after three games you feel pretty good about that. And also there's the defense, on which there have been some individual players I think have played really well. Cedric Graves playing really well, Power Eccles well, playing really yeah. well. I mean, I think it's almost unfair to put the linebackers right now in the, ooh, the Toriel. I mean, those that position, even Rob Rod Dilworth came in and played well for a couple of plays when he needed to come in uh, in this game. And honestly, I think the defensive line is I thought I thought this was their best game so far. It, and it still needs to improve. You saw a couple guys get Travis Shaw played a little more. Jacoby Cowan, the Ohio State transfer, played a little more. And they had some impact when they were in there. I thought they did a good job against a mobile quarterback for the most part, keeping him contained he got out once or twice but not a he didn't kill him with his legs so linebackers I think you have to be happy with D-line not where you want it but I do think you saw a little bit of step forward in this past week secondary has got to get better it just has to when I think D-line is the area of the defense I would expect to see potentially the most maybe snap changes between the Georgia State game and the Notre Dame game because some guys you just mentioned, I think, are coming. 
Yeah. And I think they're uh, like when Travis Shaw was in there, he probably played less than 25 plays. It felt like you noticed him on at least half of those. Well, he made the one tackle where he he was engaged with the blocker, the running backs coming to his left, and he just reached out his big old meat hook of an arm and grabbed the dude and slowed him down and dragged him down as some other players got there. I mean, that's just size, strength, and talent. I think Rucker's playing really well. Heyman Rucker is. We've said this many times. He in a defensive line that has a lot of highly recruited guys. He is not the most highly recruited, but when it comes to production and making impactful plays and showing up in big moments, Cayman Rucker is normally involved. Now, as you said, the secondary has got to get better. Has got some issues. I don't look, I'm not a defensive backs coach, but I do know that Georgia State's quarterback Darren Granger, yep. Was seven for twenty nine the week before and sixteen for twenty four or something this week. That is not ideal, and you're still occasionally seeing some of the penalties. You're just you're still seeing some of the confusion sometimes where it looks like players aren't sure where their teammates are going. They just they've got to be better because Carolina is going to face a better quarterback at some point. Although I do think they've been fortunate to this point not to face a great one. And at least if you are following the substitution patterns, it's pretty obvious that the Tariels don't feel comfortable going into their depth in the secondary right now. Uh, and there have been some injuries, and they're, you know, Aquarius Conley is still recovering. Don Chapman dealing with an off-the-field issue, not suspended, but dealing with an off-the-field issue, so unavailable, although he did not play in the Appalachian State game when he was available. Uh, the corners behind Grimes and Duck, Legend Cavazos struggled against Appalachian State. He did not play, I don't think, and if he did, it was a very low amount of snaps in the game against Georgia State. And then you've got a redshirt freshman in Dante Balfour and a true freshman in Marcus Allen, and another young player in Tamir Brown, who's a redshirt freshman who hasn't seen a lot of time yet. So, it, again, if you are going by substitution patterns, it seems like the Carolina coaches aren't as comfortable substituting there as they are in the front, particularly that defensive line, because the linebackers, they're, I think they want Eccles and Gray on the field as much as they can. So, what the answer is, is you just have to, I mean, you can scheme and protect them a little bit as far as giving them help. But if you do that, everybody's got to be in the right position all the time. So you've just got to get better. It's just you just got to improve. And whether that's technique, whether that's understanding, whether that is a combination of those two things, I don't know. But uh, it has to continue to improve. And the good news is there's plenty of time for it to happen. And you're in a great spot of the season to improve. With the bye week, with the three and zero record, with better teams coming up that are going to get your attention, I, 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 there is just like we said after Appalachian, there are multiple truths here. Carolina is three and zero. Carolina has a lot of things that I think are exciting and good, and the Tariels need to get better as a team in total, but particularly in that back end defensively right now. And 
a big help to the secondary would be if that defensive line we talked about got a little more pressure on the quarterback because there hasn't been a ton of that. Um, But, you know, we sat here last week and said you have to be at least a little bit happy to be 2-0. I think you still have to be at least a little bit happy to be 3-0. There are no other 3-0 teams. I'd rather be that than not be that. And I really do think the way the schedule shook out is beneficial for the coaching staff to be able to have three games of material to look at during this week, make some evaluations, consider some changes, and then come back and get ready for a team that they know their team will be completely focused on in Notre Dame, a 3.30 kickoff, Jones, yeah. uh, at Keenan Stadium and what should be a great crowd, great environment, terrific atmosphere. Just learned on Monday as well that it appears as though Notre Dame's starting quarterback Tyler Buckner is going to be out potentially the rest of the season and with that time frame you would assume that the Carolina game would would be more likely than not that he is going to miss um so who knows you know Notre Dame's 0-2 right now and you know that they are smarting after losing to Marshall at home they've got Cal is that a home game or a road game Adam do you know I believe that's at Notre Dame at Notre Dame so They've got Cal this week before before coming here to Chapel Hill. So that's next up. Next four and the week zero game paying big dividends, I think, schedule wise for in multiple ways. And I don't think Carolina beats Appalachian. Perhaps the greatest win in the history of college football as far as the national talking heads are concerned. Uh I don't think they win that game without playing the Florida AM game. And now it gives you this you get another really clearly defined portion of your schedule where you've got Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and home, then at Miami and at Duke. And so you can focus on those four games, focus on getting better, then you get another break, then you go into the back five games of the season. So it schedule-wise and break-wise, I don't know if it gets much better than three games break, four games break, five games to finish things up. It, it's... It's a great setup in that regard for the Tarios. And I think break one is even better because even the things that have been good haven't been perfect. Sure. So even even the folks who are feeling good about themselves, like Drake May, for example, feels like he can do better than what he did on Saturday. You got a guy like Omarion Hampton who made a huge mistake <laughs> early in the game on special teams, and you wonder, are we going to ever see him the rest of today? And all he does is come back and run for over 100 yards. I, this team's got a little bit of resilience that we don't always see in, in Carolina football teams. couple things about the offensive side. Omarion Hampton is really good. And the fact that he had that touchdown, the long touchdown, because we know the power that he has. I mean, he outran everybody. I kept thinking they were going to catch him, and he just kept stretching it out. Yeah. So that's an impressive combination that he has of power and speed. And George Petaway didn't really ever get unlocked in this game, but you know that you have his ability. DJ Jones had that fumble, but I thought this was his best game of the season to to this point. And I will say this for DJ Jones. He is a heck of a pass blocker. He, he was in there a couple of times, and George State was bringing pressure and doing a bunch of stuff up front. And he is very trustworthy in that regard that he is he, he is really good in that way. And he had a good day running the football, had a touchdown run, ran for more than 60 yards. So he's not the flashy one, but he is he's somebody that has a very defined and purposeful role on this team that he has played well to this point. Um, 
And then Adam Drake, may, this was the least comfortable I think Drake may had looked so far this year. He forced the one throw. That was an interception. And yet Carolina won the game. And I don't think it's a bad thing that Drake may was under a little bit of pressure and has some things now that he can see and go, oh, I got to be better in that regard. Or, oh, you handled this really well. I, I think that's a good thing um, because he still made some terrific plays as well. And so for him, uh, like the throw that he made to Pesor for the touchdown was a terrific, both guys, terrific effort. The throw that he made to Pesor, or excuse me, I think it was Blackwell, that originally was called out of bounds, and then they reviewed it, and they said he got his foot down before it went out of bounds. That was a big-time throw. Like, it was a throw that most guys can't make. And so you still had all these moments where you can see the immense talent and yet, for the first time, there's some things where you go, okay, now look, when this happens, you can do this better, and there's a very clear, defined thing that you can now see that you can improve on. And to this offense, at some point, you hope you're going to add back, generally acknowledge yeah. the best player on the offense, right? possibly after the bye week, Josh Downs. Yeah, that's not going to be a bad thing when Josh Downs gets back. And, and, and one would think, at that point, you would hope, that's a month after the injury, at that point, you would assume fully healthy. Everybody immediately gets that much better defenses that, as they look at the tape right now, would say, well, we're going to put our best guy on this Pesor guy. Well, you can't do that because you got to worry about Josh Downs. You just, you're giving him more headaches, which Phil Longo appears to be extremely good at, is figuring out how to cause defensive headaches. I did. Has Mac Brown, did the Mac Brown uh, locker room video, did it ever go out? I haven't seen it. That was. A, I'm just gonna tell you, it, it was a hype locker room for the Tar Heels. They were. Did you dance? I did not. They did not ask me to. Hmm. Um. I think that was a meaningful win for Carolina. I mean, again, the Tar Heels had their back against the wall a little bit in that third quarter, and then they kind of toughened up a little bit. Well, I, let's be honest, folks. Carolina football as a program is not at a point where there's any such thing as a non-meaningful road victory. Sure. And I don't know if you watched any college football over the rest of the day Saturday, but both those road wins have come at venues of the greatest conference in college football. Well, I was going to ask you, do, do you think anyone views that Appalachian game any differently now that they went and beat Texas A&M? Well, the weird thing to me is it's as though people have totally forgotten that game ever occurred. Right. Appalachian season started in College Station, Texas. And anything that happened before that is not that relevant. Well, now we're just going to take game day there because they won a game. Well, they they lost a game at the same place you're taking game day to. I assume we're equally impressed by that, the team that beat them. I think, I think the general public does not view that game any differently. I do think there's some football folks who might say, well, I mean, you did give up 61 points, which is not great against anybody, but you did beat a team that is shown to be pretty capable. I enjoyed, of course, we've had Seth Gray here on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I talked to him after the game on Saturday. And first of all, I love Seth Gray. He's just level-headed, and he just makes good points. Ah, Seth Gray. Also a very good tackler. Yeah. Makes interceptions. Yeah, he can run fast. All the, things we like. Tell you what, he and Power Eccles can move out there. And Rod Rod Dilworth is fast. I mean, they, they've got some... Carolina's got some aggressive, fast linebackers. Uh, but I thought his – I asked him just kind of about what the week had been like for the defense. And 
I mean, he said he did, that they were embarrassed and that it almost felt like a loss more than a win to them and that they had to get better and that he felt like some of the things that happened at the end of the Georgia State game were really important for that defense. To go out there and you had to make a stop on a short field a couple of times. I mean, after that fun, I mean, think. DJ Jones had that nice run and fumbled right around midfield and Carolina forced, I think it was either a three and out or a four play and then a punt. So there were just some moments just to keep in your back pocket for the Tar Heel defense. You know, sneakily, one, the only thing really we hadn't mentioned, Tar Heel special teams made some big plays in that game. Yeah, that block hit. Well, Ben Kiernan had a 70-yard punt. I will say Georgia State did not do a great job with their punt return decisions. Were they aware they could catch the ball and <laughs> run it back? It looked like they thought they just had to let it roll. That's not the rule, guys. Yeah, they made some questionable decisions there. But that was huge change in field position after Carolina had been pinned at the two, and you thought, uh-oh. Yep. Ben Kiernan, proud native of Ireland, as we all know. Obviously. Uh, a 70-yard punt. Of course, Miles Murphy with uh, sneakily one of the bigger plays of the game as he blocked that field goal. And Carolina had a ton of pressure. But that's also one of those where you – I mean, that's right up the middle where you block it. So you just have – defeated the guy trying to block you when you do that huge play um so and Noah Burnett and Jonathan Kim have just kind of done what they've been asked to do Noah Burnett has not attempted a ton of field goals he made both of them in Boone which were important but he's gone out there and been great on extra points and Jonathan Kim keeps kicking it through the end zone and that's just what they're asked to do and they're doing it well so yes and Mac Brown has said he was not happy with the special teams after App. I think most notably the coverage aspect of it. Um, but he has he has asked his team to win a game on special teams, make a game-winning play. And I think that block field goal is the type of play that he's talking about. Did that one play win the game? Probably not. But it's an impactful play in the win for the Tar Heels. If it had happened at the end of the second half instead of the first half, everyone would be looking at it very right. differently. The health of Miles Murphy kind of something to keep an eye on over these next couple weeks as he – I never saw him come back after he left, but I never heard anybody say there was something wrong with him. And I trust Lee Pace to yeah, get to the Lee, bottom Yeah, Lee – I mean, Lee said that he had gone into the injury tent and then came out and was out kind of running around on the sidelines. But I don't remember if he came back in the game or not. But I don't think – he didn't go back to the locker room or anything like that. Uh, when it happened. So, but no, I, I have not heard any official word on on that either. And you probably won't this week right, because right, there's yeah. not a lot going on. Yeah, there was no Mac Brown live uh, <laughs> last night. So I mean, obviously, the football world is not spent. Yeah, there was no press conference yesterday. So I mean, it, it, Carol, you probably won't hear a ton from the Tar Heels football wise until next Monday, as they prepare for Notre Dame. Three and zero. Let all the other teams have all the problems. Adam. Anything else from that game in Atlanta? Yeah, I have a question, and someone mentioned this in a... By the way, Adam, we have a new leader in the clubhouse for most annoying sound effects. Okay, that was it. It was Brad Green, who tweeted at us and said you should watch out for the loud train horn. On the radio, it was incredibly loud. It, it was really, really loud. Um, I My favorite train horn moment was when we were doing keys to the game and the train horn had not had not bellowed yet and we go down to lee and lee's doing his key and all of a sudden george state comes running out of their tunnel and the train horn goes off for the first time and lee could not couldn't keep it together 
I think he just I think he just aborted his key to the game. He just punted and sent it back to us because his train of thought was so gone due to the train whistle. It was loud. How does it compare to Louisville? Uh, that was my that was what I was gonna say is I think it has taken the lead in the clubhouse. If the the Louisville one is more annoying and you and I the only real experience that I have with it was that game in like two thousand five, maybe. Louisville scored about ninety. Elvis Dumerville was oh, yeah. killing Carolina on the defensive line. I think they scored over 60 points, and that train whistle blew a lot. Mm. So it was more, that was more symbolic of how terrible <laughs> things were because the horn was blowing so much. This was more pure volume of horn. That was, that was uh, and I don't know if somehow we had like a microphone that was pointed, like if the dude who was blowing the horn like had a microphone hooked up to the Tar Heel Sports Network, because you could hear it on the radio now. And I can only assume that's what it sounded like in the stadium. It was loud. Well, what relevance does the train horn have to Georgia State? That I don't know. That I don't know. Because they're the Panthers. Yep. Do they Are they Panthers who ride in trains? Train Panthers. <laughs> Trained Panthers? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like in a zoo? In a circus? <laughs> so, I don't know, but I do know it is very, very, very loud. It, it was jarring just when it happened on the radio and one of you were talking, and then I was worried you were about to get hit by a train because it sounded like it was right there in the booth. So, good call by Brad Green to keep uh, your head on a swivel for the train horn. Yeah, thank you, Brad. I wish I had listened to Brad Green. I had seen that tweet, so I, and I thought, ah, thank you, Brad Green, for giving me this information. But I hadn't really, it's not like I was walking around thinking, oh, where's that train whistle? But then when I heard it, I thought, hmm, Brad Green was correct. Yeah. Okay, Adam, anything else football-wise? No. Okay. Let's get to our interview. We have Adam's list. I've got a couple items that have to. Oh, I tell you what, my both of mine have to do with the football trip. So why don't we just why don't we just get to it? Uh, let's start with this. I don't even want this, Adam. Here's what I do. I do want. I do want the Tar Heels getting an exciting victory, and being on the happy plane ride home. And I got to tell you, there's just if you've and Adams travel with sports teams uh, as well. There's just something about the plane ride home when you win, right? I mean, it's just – and football is, is even different than basketball because there's so many people, and so everybody's all happy, and, you know, they're getting ice cream bars and burritos, and, you know, everybody's happy. Who couldn't be happy with ice cream bars and burritos? Yeah, seriously. Everybody's watching the App State game. They're watching the Notre Dame game. So, you know, something will happen in one of these games, and everybody will be like, oh, no, you know, I mean, it would just – but then, Adam, we went over. You know this is a strong statement. This is in – this might be number one in the rankings, and if it's not number one, the only one I can think of is the Georgia Tech basketball game, you know, at this point 15 years ago, for heaviest amount of turbulence mm. I've had on a plane ride with the Tar Heels. And it wasn't a long time. It was probably 20 minutes a chop, Adam. You know what I mean. Mm. Yeah. I'd say moderate chop. Jones is going to turn the seatbelt sign yeah, on. Yeah, there's some moderate chop that we're going to go through. But there were maybe three instances 
of these bursts of turbulence, including one where I don't know, Adam. Like it was not good. <laughs> like I don't, I I don't mind flying, but this was one where it wasn't just like one big bump. It was about three together, and it was that. that I did not want that. I did not want that. What did the pilots have to say? They didn't say anything. Like gotta, that's got to give me the heads yeah, up. Yeah, that's when I need Captain Jim to come on the speaker and be like, "Guys, sorry about that. We got some, we've got some severe chop here as we're yeah. trying to get around the weather system, but we should be out of this in the next five minutes. Give me something. Well, tell me you're aware and apologize that yeah. this is occurring, yeah. so that I don't think you're taken by surprise because I don't like my pilot to be no. taken by surprise. Well, and then. Twitter account that you turned me on to, the yep. Sports and Aviation, they showed this, and that Twitter account's on fire on the weekends, on college yep. football weekend, because it's showing where, like, literally, like, even where, like, NAIA teams are flying to. But so it has all these different flights. And so for the Tario flight, the little little tiny plane that they show on the radar, the little shot that they put out for the Tario trip home was right over the top, this awful weather. And it looked like we had turned right into it. Why did, why did they do that? What color was it on the? It radar? was red. Oh yeah, you don't, you don't turn over the red. No, 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 no. Go round the red. Yeah, it was yellow and red. No one wants that. Did they have to suspend ice cream bar service? No, the poor woman was was serving the food, and all of a sudden she's getting thrown all over the place. I think she, I think she got like drinks all over herself. Don't drop the ice cream bars. They had uh, strawberry shortcake. Mm. And Dove chocolate. Okay. I knew you. I I yeah. I made a smart decision and didn't have either. Adam. <laughs> the cheese. I did have a chicken burrito though. <laughs> Tricky thing with eating the Dove ice cream bars on the plane: the shell part will fall on your shirt yeah. eight out of ten times, and you'll immediately be alerting everyone that you made a mess of your Dove ice cream bar. Yeah, I was sitting next to uh, our good friend Emily McCollum on the plane, mm. and it's she, nice having her back. Yeah. She didn't like the she didn't like the uh, turbulence either. We talked about together how much we didn't like it. <laughs> I don't like it when the metal tube I'm on yeah. bounces up and down in the yeah. air. What about you, Emily? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Emily made the uh, interesting choice of watching an episode of Friends on the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like she might have just needed some needed to like, go to a go like to a happy comfort place. food. Yeah, go to a happy Friends place. format. Yeah. Rachel and Russell, those two kids ever make it work. Have you ever noticed one of our daughters is super into Friends and watches it all constantly? The older Friends look like they're from the 1960s. Yeah, the older episodes, not good. but the for some reason I feel like the newer episodes, by which I mean 20 years ago, I, they could be happening today. I think they flipped the HD switch somewhere in between that time period when it started and when it finished. But even like the clothes they're wearing and the hair, to me they look really. Like, that happened a long time ago, the first couple of years. As time but goes on, years, things change, Adam. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'll be there for you. Okay, let's get to our interview. Linda Finley, the CEO of Blue Apron, big time Tar Heel. We talked some Tar Heels. She's a big, big Grits fan, too. Mm. So, you know. As all we all. You know that she's on Team Pod. <laughs> if she loves uh, Big Grits. So we've got that. Come back. Oh, I still have. Oh, I forgot my I forgot my vacation from life. We got to do that before we go. <laughs> so, look, Linda Finley's yeah, you just, husband and yeah. other loved ones. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, just wait. 
Got a story of a guy hanging on the goalpost at Georgia State I need to tell you. So, I had... I we did this. So, I had walked to the Tar Heel locker room. And the way that it was set up, I had to record the interview with Coach Brown. And I got Cedric Gray. And then I was bringing the interviews back up to the booth so we could run them on the air. And so I'd gone, and then as I'm walking back, Adam, there's this guy. And I think his girlfriend and or wife and or fan partner at the game (laughs) was kind of there in the end zone, like looking at him disapprovingly with her hands on her hips, kind of like, oh, what is, what's Ryan getting into now? He was, he was climbing the goalpost, Adam. (laughs) Keep in mind. There, this was in no way a rowdy scene. Like the George, there were some George State players down there. I think maybe talking to their parents. And I mean, it was a very low-key post-game scenario. But so Ryan is climbing the goalpost, and he's struggling. Like he's trying to climb up. I'm wondering if Ryan was 100 percent had all his faculties at this point in time. His plan of you're wondering, yeah, his plan of attack was to climb up the the bottom portion of the goalpost, like the padding, almost like he was Spider-Man. Like he had his his feet on there and his hands, and he was trying, he was making it way too hard for himself, quite honestly. Trying to climb up the padding, right? And so where the vacation from life comes in, Adam, is that for the first time all day, literally all day, I saw a Georgia State staff member, and they walk up, (laughs) and this gentleman, the guy, I I don't know if he was security or just some, Adam, it was the most civil conversation of trying to get somebody off the goalpost that I'd ever heard in my life. It went something like this. Hey, uh, hey, buddy, can you do me a favor? Can you get down off there? Can you hop down from that goalpost, pal? Oh, yeah, man, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, let me get on down. (laughs) And it was like, then they like shook hands and went their separate ways to the point where even there were a couple, I don't know if they were Tariel fans or Tariel parents that were kind of right there to which I actually turned them and said, that was the most civil conversation I've ever heard. So sometimes, Adam, it doesn't have to be force is the point I'm, sometimes you can just talk it out. And that sometimes is when one single guy is trying to Spider-Man up the goalpost and you politely ask him to get down and he then immediately sees the error of his ways. Well, it sounds to me like what happened was Georgia State security provided Ryan with an out because he had realized (laughs) perhaps this isn't going to end as well as I thought, but now he's allowed to save face and he can go back to his wife and or girlfriend and say, well, I was going to climb that goalpost, but they made me get down. Like, what was he going to do if he got on top? Was his girlfriend going to take a picture? I think so. Man, look at Ryan. Oh, so crazy. Yeah. This was after the Panthers almost beat the Tar Heels. Yeah. They blew that train whistle. Panthers lost the game but won the celebration. Did you happen to see the fan at the LSU game, I think it was LSU, who just walked onto the field? No. I I think something had kicked in for this guy at that point in time and thought it and I mean he walked out there like a dad 
looking at the yard after he had overseeded and it had rained the night before and he wanted to see if some of the grass was popping up. He just strolled out there. Like the play is happening in front of him. And it's like nobody really realizes he's out there for a little bit. And then all of a sudden they do. And that one did not end with a civil conversation. Sounds to me like field security in the southeast has gone downhill yeah. somewhat. That wouldn't happen at Keenan Stadium. Nah. Have you ever climbed a goalpost? No. Me either. Maybe next weekend. I mean, when I was a student, Carolina had that win over Florida State, but I was already doing stuff like professionally, so I don't I think it would have been frowned upon if I had <laughs> run down from my camera perch and gone and uh Jumped on the, uh, jumped on the goalpost. Is doing stuff professionally what you call hurricanes when you're a student? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you want to meet uh, games at three thirty? We'll meet at noon and do stuff professionally. <laughs> Come cascada with me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Linda Finley's family. Now we're now we're back. Now it's time to listen. So let's get to our interview. Come back. Adam has a list. We've got our champions watch, too. We've got to uh, tell you about how all the Tar Heels did this weekend. All of that and more coming up after this on the Carolina Insider. We have very few rules on the Carolina Insider podcast, but one hard and fast rule is if Sally Krawcheck tells us that someone is awesome, yeah. we immediately have to talk to that person. And Sally Krawcheck told us that Linda Finley is awesome, and therefore Linda, the CEO of Blue Apron, is here with us today. Linda, thanks so much for giving us some time. Absolutely. It's great to be here. What have you done to impress Sally Krawcheck so much and make her think that you're awesome? I mean, it's an excellent question, and, and, and I'm glad that she thinks I'm awesome. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, Sally and I uh, met in New York and um, we haven't always been in exactly the same circles, but she's an incredible, incredible executive and founder as well, as well as an alum. And we had the wonderful chance to actually be together at an event at her house recently um, where I was able to meet the coach and be able to really spend some time with Sally as well. So she's fantastic. So what'd you think of Coach Davis? Oh, I mean, come on. That was just a dream. I was smiling ear to ear. It's it's so I've always been proud of the coaches at, at UNC. But, um, you know, I have to say Coach Davis is just one of those people that you love not only as a coach, but it's just as a human being and um, such an incredible, incredible person. And Eric Montross was there as well, who, given my age, is uh, one of my favorites as well. And so um, the two of them together were really just too much for me to bear. OK, Linda, so. I believe Elon undergrad, Carolina graduate school. I think I have that right. Take, take us through the journey of, of your time at Carolina and, and why Carolina was, was the right place for you at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that you do have that right. I went to Elon first for undergrad and got a, um, an undergraduate degree in journalism and communications. And frankly, UNC just has one of the best journalism schools in the world. And I've always been really fascinated with with media, with journalism, um, and with the process of communication. And um, it was a lifelong dream to be able to go get a master's degree at UNC in journalism. I mean, it's it's not only a top school, but just one of those places where you walk the campus and there's just something about the light on the campus that's just um, so beautiful. 
And it was really pretty cool to go there for a master's degree in journalism because you had the entire infrastructure of the school, but you you had a smaller group in the, in the master's program in journalism. So it sort of felt like both the benefits of being at a smaller university and also being at, at um, a big university at the same time. You had the resources of the big university and the and the focus and the camaraderie of a, a smaller one um, kind of all wrapped into one. And it was just, you know, walking with greats. The professors in the journalism school are incredible. The the experience is incredible. The other students are, are incredible and still keep in touch with them today. So basically, Adam, Linda and I are basically the same. I, too, have a journalism degree. Now, is mine a master's degree? It isn't, but that's all right. I feel like <laughs> I, I'm the masters of uh, the street smarts is what I have, Linda. So exactly. Are, are exactly. you the CEO of anything, including no. this podcast? No. no. <laughs> well, what I was going to ask you, Linda, is so I, I don't think you necessarily think journalism degree CEO of, of a major company how does that experience and what you went through scholastically, how does that help you or aid you in, in what you're doing now? You know, it's interesting. It's definitely one of those areas where people um, sort of look at me a little bit funny. They always assume that I had an MBA. Um, and and I did take some courses in the MBA school, which is fantastic um, to be able to to combine that. But I have to say, you know, I started out in journalism and then I moved into um, communications, so public relations and communications, doing a lot of crisis communications, a lot of IPOs, a lot of um, sort of very high level business communications for about 15 years after um, after college. And and the transition into operations and marketing and um, and eventually CEO was was a bit unusual, I think, for people. For me, it actually made perfect sense. And the reason I say that is in journalism, you learn how to do data analytics. You learn how to interpret different perspectives. You learn how to anticipate what's going to happen. The entire concept of communications and influence is actually one of the most critical skills, I think, for any business person, but particularly when you're talking about an executive. So while I know it's an unusual path, Honestly, I thought it was very natural because communications, anticipation, hearing all sides, thinking about what is going to be asked next, thinking about um, how people respond to different messages are all critical parts of being any sort of executive or any sort of business leader. And um, and the skill sets that you learn, particularly, frankly, in, in the master's program in journalism, I took media law classes, I took um, data analytics classes. Those are all skills that you need, and um, and they really come together quite well in a journalism mindset. Okay, you may have answered this a little bit with that last answer, but Carolina Athletics, we, we don't have any reason to have crisis communication here over the last uh, <laughs> several years. But I would be interested in what you feel like when you're in a crisis as a business. Like, what are three or four really important things in your mind to then be able to handle if you are said business? You know, first of all, I think the number one thing is transparency. We've seen time and time again, um, when something goes wrong or something goes crazy, being clear and transparent about what happened as quickly as possible is always the most important thing. I think anybody who thinks that you can sweep something under the rug or, um, or you know, maybe it'll blow over is probably in for a rude shock, particularly in this day and age. I mean, you know, 
everything's evolved so much that news travels fast. Usually things are found out. And so if something's going on, obviously you want to gather yourself first and you want to make sure you understand all the facts before you communicate. But, um, but it's important that you actually think about that transparency. I mean, the, the case study that everybody looks at when you think about communications and crisis communications is um, very, very old now, but the Tylenol, um, Tylenol scare with uh, tampered pills um, that had cyanide in them. And the transparency and the rapid speed of removing those products and being clear about what happened is a case study in why it's so important to be truthful to be fast and to be clear. So I would say that's number one. Um, I do think number two is to be just calm. You have to be very, very rational and say, all right, instead of panicking, I need to stop, I need to think, and I need to really work through what is going on right now and how we need to think about both identifying the real problem and solving it. Um, that's another really big point. So try to remain as calm as possible any sort of panic or you know kind of freak out is only going to make it that much worse. So those are those are the two biggest things. So why does so many people mess that up? I mean it seems very well, simple when I you think, explain it. You know, it's it's fear. Um I think that um any I've I've always said any decision or any action rooted in fear is is always going to be a bad one. And I think if you're especially new to any sort of crisis and you don't deal with them on a, on a regular basis, it's very easy to think, oh, we, we should just avoid this or we should try to make sure no one finds out um, because it's scary. But um, but again, you know, people are always much more nervous about the unknown than they are about the known, even if it's something they don't like. Uh, and so making sure that you're coming through and you're being truthful and you're being clear is is really, really important. But yeah, so many people mess it up because they're scared. Did you grow up in North Carolina? Were you a, a Tar Heel for a long time, or did that start when you got here? I did grow up in North Carolina, and um, and I actually grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. So I am a uh, a longtime Tar Heel fan. Um, I actually used to tell the story. My sister also went to Chapel Hill. She went as an undergrad. She's older than me, so she was at Chapel Hill. And I inherited her tiny little TV because her roommate had a bigger TV. And it was the first time... It, it was the first time my parents let me have a TV in my room. Um, and it only lasted about a month because I was getting so into the basketball games and my <laughs> up and down that they uh, they decided maybe I it would be better if I watched it with the rest of the family where they could keep an eye on me. So um, uh, so I've been I've been a Tar Heel fan for life and uh, and yeah, spent my entire um my entire childhood, uh, a little bit of my first of my adulthood in North Carolina. I, I didn't leave until I was 27 years old. So, um, so definitely born and bred. Okay, so Linda, do you have do you have like a team or a player that that has a special place in your heart from from cheering on the Tar Heels for so long? Oh, you know that is a really really good question. Um, so, I would say. There's probably two different ways I would answer that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually say that I have like a a, a favorite player in specific, but I I will also say that I've always been very proud of of the fact that Michael Jordan um, was a Tar Heel, and that's something just from a childhood. Obviously, he was at Carolina way before I was, but he was definitely always one of my favorite players, and so it's kind of hard to hard to avoid that. Um, and 
you know, saw his picture every time I went to time out chicken and biscuits to get, <laughs> to get food. Uh, and so that was always a, a pretty big deal for me. I think the bigger deal for me is um, when I think of teams and I think of moments, it actually goes back to, um, I'm trying to remember what year, I think it was 93 that we won the championship. Correct. Yep. Yep. And that year I was actually at Elon. So I was an undergrad, um, but some friends of mine and I drove to Chapel Hill to watch the game on TV on Franklin street. And, um, and it was just, it was just one of those moments where of course it's completely insane to think you can just drive into Chapel Hill and go find a place for six people to watch a game. But we just happened, I will never forget this moment. We were walking down Franklin street, every place was packed. But the one place that wasn't really packed was actually, there was a pizza hut. And <laughs> there, there were all these tables open because I think people were were going to the bars. And so we just walked right in. We sat down, we had an amazing uh, table, watched the game, more hopping up and down, more screaming, lots of um, fanfare. But that was one of my favorite moments because it was just, it was so spontaneous. We were completely crazy to think we could do it, but somehow we managed to pull it off and get this great table in front of the TV on Franklin Street to be there for that win. So um, so that was a pretty special moment. Okay, I want to read you a little snippet from your bio and, and then ask you a question about it. Sure. Uh, this goes back to when uh, you worked for Alibaba.com based out of Hong Kong, most recently yeah. as director of global marketing and customer experience with worldwide responsibilities spanning multiple revenue generating and customer facing functions. So when that's your job and you get to the office, what exactly are you doing? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Alibaba was such a transformational time for me because it was actually when I moved from PR and communications into operations, marketing, and, and sort of running the business. And it was also an incredibly special time because when I moved to Hong Kong and was seeking out a job, um, and and wound up working for Alibaba. I really, it was very important to me to immerse myself in a different culture and to see business operations from a, a different cultural perspective. And so I was already just frankly transformed by the opportunity of being able to work for a company like Alibaba.com. And so that was, that was pretty incredible, but the day-to-day -day of that job was actually quite intense. So uh, you mentioned what happens when you walk into the office every day. When I was at that job, I was traveling about 85% of the time. Oof. So I was covering pretty much everywhere in the world. So I was on at least six long haul flights. And by long haul flights, I mean at least eight to nine hours each way a month. And I was going to Latin America. I was going to Europe. I was going to different parts of Asia. I was on a plane all the time. And my main responsibilities were really driving market awareness of um, Alibaba.com as a global B2B marketplace. And so I was meeting with partners and I was forming partnerships and I was working with the marketing team to create, you know, campaigns that were specific to each region, um, highlighting some of the entrepreneurs that were using Alibaba.com to, to run their business. And that could be a restaurant that was sourcing tables and chairs and menus um, that could be a, a you know a clothing manufacturer that was sourcing fabrics um, and textiles. So honestly, it was a lot of 
building connections between the company, particularly on a global scale, so that um, small businesses could find what they needed in order to run their business. Okay, so Linda, how do you, you go from sitting in a booth at Pizza Hut on Franklin Street <laughs> while you're an undergrad at Elon to now you're traveling 85% of your year and Alibaba.com and CEO now multiple places. Like what a lot of people work hard. So what is it about you that allowed you to make that journey? It, Cause I understand hard work, but, but it's gotta be something else too. Yeah. I think it's a willingness for risk. Um, I've always been somebody who believes that the most important thing is learning. And so I, I, it was less about a fee. I've never had a fear of failure um, because it's like, you're always going to learn. And so that's not fair, not failure. But I do think that the concept of being willing to take risks is one of the most important things in thinking about how you move your career forward, particularly if you actually are moving between roles and, and maybe changing sort of areas of expertise. That is a critical aspect of it. And I've always taken, in many cases, the riskiest choice. You know, when I took the job at Alibaba.com, I was offered three jobs. Um, I took that one, and that was at the time, the lowest paying job and probably the most risky because Alibaba was considered a startup at that point. And that worked out really well. And so I've always taken um, taken chances both on myself and on the places that I've gone to in order to learn and develop new skills. And so I, I genuinely think that's one of the keys is, is being willing to take that risk. So what have you learned from the risks you took that did not work out? Um, well, yeah. You know, the interesting, well, the interesting statement there is, I guess it's hard for me to say that something's not worked out because again, even if it didn't turn out to be maybe financially successful, um, I developed skills and learnings that took me to another level. Um, and so that part I think is, is actually pretty important. So I, it's hard for me to say something didn't work out because I kind of think everything has um, so far that I've done. Even if it didn't work out exactly the way I intended it to or the way I thought it might, um, I would have gotten skills from it that that helped me to get to where I am today. So maybe that's a little too optimistic uh, for most people, but it's sort of the way I've lived my life, which is, um, working out is a pretty subjective definition. And, and I think that it's hard for anybody to look at my life, including myself and, and not feel incredibly lucky um, that I've had these opportunities that I've had. But I also feel like I did earn those opportunities because of the fact that I have always continued to take those risks and work hard and put 110% of myself knowing that that's not mathematically possible, but everyone says it anyway, um, into what I do. Look, Jones, sometimes you go to Franklin Street to watch the championship game. You end up at Pizza Hut, but it ends up being awesome. Yeah, that's, that's right. just something that happens. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And so again, even if I had been turned away from Pizza Hut, who knows? We Maybe we would have found another place. <laughs> um, okay, so for someone who made multiple long-haul flights per month, what's the key to doing those flights well? Because everybody hates those. So you've done it a lot. What's the secret? Uh, there's a few secrets. First of all, never, ever check bags if you can help it. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just, first of all, you just don't need that much stuff. But secondly, it's always easier to adapt if a flight changes or something else, if you have everything with you. So I am the person who, you know, 
with very rare exceptions, um, you know, I, I never, ever check bags, uh, drink a huge amount of water. Um, and, um, and those are kind of the two biggest, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm one of those boring people that I'm just, I'm always very prepared for travel, but I never drink alcohol on planes because frankly, it's not that good anyway, but also it just dehydrates you and makes you feel terrible. Um, I always drink tons of water and, uh, and I always just make sure I have my stuff with me because you never know when you're going to have to change schedules. So yeah, pack light, hydrate. The two exactly. uh, bullet points that I will live by. Yeah, uh, it's kind of the key to life, frankly. <laughs> if you think I remember one time, Linda, this dude told me he was, he was training for a marathon, and I asked him what was important, and he said, stay rested and stay hydrated. And I said, I haven't been either one of those things in about 20 years, <laughs> so I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Um, Linda, tell us about Blue Apron. What? Uh, why? How, how did you find your way there? What are you learning as being a part of this company? Yeah, so I joined Blue Apron in April of 2019. So the company started in 2012 um, and is the first in the, in the U.S., the first meal kit in the U.S. And I actually was a customer of Blue Apron for three years before I uh, joined the company. And and something else that I've always lived by is, is I always work for products and companies where I really believe in the product. Um, it's hard for me to work as hard as I do and put as much energy and emotion and passion into what I'm doing if I don't believe in the product. And this was a little bit of a dream come true for me because um, Blue Apron really, as a product and as a customer for the three years that I used it before I joined the company, gave me so many advantages. Um, I had just moved to New York from California. I didn't know that many people. I, I knew some people in New York, but not that many. I love to cook. It's my meditation. It's my moment of, of um, sort of relaxing, but I also love food. And one of the things that I talk about is, is food is every, whenever you think of the best moments in your life, the best conversations you've had, the cultural connections, whether it's travel or family or anything else, it's almost always over food. And so food has just always been a, a strong part of my life. And the act of cooking has always just been something that relaxes me at the end of the busy day. I joke that it's it's something I can do, and I know it's going to turn out well. Um, and uh, unlike the rest of the things I do in my day, and uh, and and it's also something that it allows me to be creative. But then it's consumed, and it goes away. You don't have to store it. So going back to that packing light thing. So, um, so I'd been a Blue Apron customer, and as a Blue Apron customer, I would cook meals for people that uh, you know for friends in New York, and that's how I built relationships. It was how I would nourish myself and stay healthy when I was really busy when I first moved to New York. Um, and it was how I would explore new creative skills. You know, I learned, I've been cooking since I was five, but I still learned new things through through Blue Apron. So when they called me about this role, it really was very impactful for me because it's one of the few job opportunities that brings together everything that I think really matters to humans right now. It's that cultural connection, it's health, it's creativity, it's environmental because food waste is such a big issue in the U.S. and that's something that we help solve. And and it bringing all of that together into one job was just incredibly, incredibly um, interesting for me. Now, it's also a turnaround company. So I've done that several times in my career where, uh, you know, you come into a company that wasn't doing as well and needed to be uh, needed to be sort of fixed or needed to be restarted. And so that that challenge was really very exciting to me. Um, 
I will say that I didn't expect a pandemic. So that was not that was not on the job description coming in. But when you talk about learnings, you're already taking a company that needs to be transformed and then putting a global pandemic as well as economic uncertainty um, alongside that, you learn a lot of resilience very, very quickly. But again, I think you know, one of the most powerful things that I've learned this entire time is the way that I feel about food is frankly the way a lot of people feel about food. And we've talked to so many of our customers that during the pandemic reconnected with their family over mealtime because they couldn't leave the house and remembered what it means to share a meal together and create a meal together. And, and that's really very encouraging for me. You know, there's a lot to be concerned about in the world these days, but um, even when things get difficult, one of the things that, that brings me back every time is the fact that, that people just really do crave connection and they crave that ability to share a meal together and they crave that creative process. And that's just been really wonderful to see. Okay. Two related things about that. One, what's the key to being good at turning around something where you have to go into a place that's been doing business and basically tell everyone, guys, things aren't going well and we're going to do things differently. How, how do you do that and get everyone to get on board? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit of what I said before when you were t asking about crisis. You know, first of all, um, Blue Apron was already in a turnaround position when I joined it. So that wasn't necessarily a surprise to anyone. But I've also always been so incredibly impressed with the passion that the team in the company has for the business and for what we do. That's just something that is unmatched. I mean, I've and, and I've always worked for companies with people who are passionate about what we do, but this is on a whole nother level. Um, and so this Again, going back to what I said before about crisis, um, if you if you don't try to hide what's wrong, if you're like, okay, here's where the challenges are, here's what we need to do to fix it, and and say it's going to be you know tough or it's going to take a while or whatever it is, um, people are like, okay, I get it. You know, we're, we're all used to dealing with difficult things, but if you sort of try to pretend that everything's fine and there's nothing to fix, then, then you're going to lose all trust from people because they know it's not. Um, and in this situation, you know, there are so many things that are great about the company and we're great about the company. When I came, the product is amazing. Team is amazing. Um, the concept is amazing. And, um, and really it's just, you need to sort of buckle down and figure out how to bring that out. And, um, and that just requires being really honest about, what needs to change? What's your go-to uh, cooking move? Like if friends are talking about going over to Linda's, what are they saying? Oh, I hope she makes this. Uh, you know, there's actually two. I'm going to give you one that's Blue Apron and one that's not Blue Apron. So what I'm actually known for and have been, because my father started this before, are breakfast parties, and particularly oh. Southern So... My father used to, well, my my parents, but my father was who taught me how to cook originally. We used to host breakfast parties at our house um, in Greensboro, and he he always talked about it because we loved breakfast, and I would help him I would help him do it, and he loved breakfast, and we would um, we would love doing parties then because usually people are free, everybody loves breakfast, and um, and it's just a fun time to have a party because you're not 
trying to kick people out of your house at two o'clock in the morning because they've overstayed, you know, during the day, it's fine. People go on and, and they go and do other things. And so I started throwing um, Southern breakfast parties when I moved to California because I couldn't find biscuits and gravy that I liked. And um, so I started making biscuits, biscuits and gravy parties. And then that moved into just Southern breakfast parties where I would have country ham, biscuits and gravy, um, cinnamon rolls that someone would make, uh, hash browns. Um, you know, I would just go all out and they got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point that we had about 65 people coming for these Southern <laughs> breakfast and then I moved to Hong Kong and decided, well, there's no reason I can't have them here too. So I started having um, Southern breakfast parties in Hong Kong. They were smaller because apartments in Hong Kong are not very big. So they'd be like 10 to 15 people. And it's just something that I've always done. Uh, so, so breakfast is probably the thing I'm known for the most. On the Blue Apron side, the other thing that I've adopted is I... So I love Blue Apron recipes because the flavors um, are just, they're just that much more. They're just up a notch. And um, one of the meals that I, I had that just blew me away was actually a vegetarian meal. It was black bean flautas with smoked Gouda cheese. Whoa. And it was when I really realized how chemistry can become such a factor in food because there's something about the reaction and, and our culinary team knows this, which is why they created it between the smoked Gouda, which is not typically in a flauta, and the black beans that gives a meaty umami flavor um, to the, the flautas, they're super easy. And so almost anytime somebody's at my house for a weekend or something like that, that is going to be our go-to lunch. Uh, as a matter of fact, it just happened this past weekend. And they're so easy to make. 90% of what you need, you can keep in your pantry um, pretty easily. And uh, and so now people know that if they're coming to my house and it's a weekend, they're likely going to get a black bean flauta um, lunch. Texting while driving takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds and at highway speeds, that's like driving the length of a football field with your eyes closed. Trusted Choice Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina wants you to stay safe behind the wheel. Put down that phone while you're driving. Let's have a hands-free NC. To learn more and find an agent near you, visit trustedchoice.com slash heels. Of course, Trusted Choice Independent Insurance Agents are a proud sponsor of our interviews here on the pod. Adam, why don't we get to our Champions Watch, brought to you by UNC Health, dedicated to caring for champions of all kinds and to help keep you in the game and at your very best. Their website, unchealthcare.org slash sports, unchealthcare.org slash sports. Busy weekend for the Tar Heels. We told you on Friday that women's soccer had just played a big match against uh, number three Duke the night before and that we all knew what had occurred. Just in case you didn't know what had occurred, uh, Carolina beat Duke threes nothing uh, in Durham. Carolina now 18-0-2 all-time against Duke and Durham. That's pretty good. Uh, and then uh, the women came back and beat Central Florida 2-1 on Sunday. Anson Dorrance tried to rest a few players, play some depth. Central Florida took the lead. Don't worry. Carolina came right back and beat them. Uh, Allie Sentinor and Avery Patterson scores again. Big match this weekend. Carolina hosts Virginia. Cavaliers number five in the country. That's Saturday at 6 o'clock in Chapel Hill, so it's a bye weekend for football. But that I bet that'll be a great crowd. Saturday, 6 o'clock, top five matchup. Team you know in Virginia, that'll be a good one. Adam, I might go to that. So you know it'll be good. 
Field hockey. Goes- uh, please prepare my skybox and personal <laughs> security. Thank you. There's someone trying to climb up the soccer goal. Please send a genteel gentleman out hey, to bring him down. Buddy, can you do me a favor and hop on down from there? And it, and then he was like, he like had to like lean his head back because he was up there like Spider Man. He like looked at him upside down. And he's like, Yeah, I'm sorry. About that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's how John Bruner would get you down from a soccer goal. It'd be like a Ben Kenobi like thing, like Jones. This is not the soccer goal yeah. you're looking for. All right, oh, okay, yeah, you're yeah. right, I'm John. Sorry. That's a good point. This was a poor decision. <laughs> field hockey uh, goes out to California. First time field hockey's been to California since 1989, and it was a successful trip. Yeah, Tariels beat Cal seven nothing. Beat Stanford six nothing. You know that made Anson Dorans happy because he likes it anytime the Tariels beat Stanford in any sport. Uh, Carolina's got three straight shutouts, and they've won those three games by a score of 17-0. to zero. Mm. Big match with Louisville, right, coming up? That's on Friday. It's at Louisville. Louisville's a top-five team. They're undefeated. That's a big one. And I'm not saying that the Tar Heels, I mean, there's possibility they could lose that game, I'm sure. Feels like we got Northwestern and the Tar Heels on, on fast track to see one another in the championship, Adam. That's just what it feels like. Tar Heels uh, got to get healthy. Got some, got some questions. Oh, Adam, are you are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Field hockey super fan Adam is okay. Gonna sub me in at center mid, and everything will be fine. Okay, all right. Uh, volleyball split decision this weekend. Uh, beat Michigan State three zero on Friday. First win over the Spartans since 2014. Take that. I'm not sure they're playing every season. And then uh, lost to Michigan three zero on Saturday. Uh, Angel family members at the Michigan game on Saturday. Uh, they failed. Can confirm that they said it was a great atmosphere, though. Well, tell them to cheer harder next time. Yeah, really. And they'll have to go to Richmond to do it this coming weekend because the Tar Heels are headed to the VCU Invitational. Men's soccer lost to number ten Pitt one zero on Friday night. Pitt really controlled the play in that one. Tar Heels are at home tonight against East Tennessee State. And then they're at Duke on Friday. Adam, uh, quickly, I would like to tell you that Cedric Gray has been named the ACC Linebacker of the Week. Hmm. And Omarion Hampton named the ACC Rookie of the Week. So congratulations to those two guys. I support both those decisions. Yep. Uh, Let's get to Adam's list. What's on the top of Adam's list? Brought to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to celebrate. Well, we already told you about the train horn, so we've hit one of the big things on here. Big time what up to Zach Gallen. Uh, his scoreless inning streak ends after a mere 44 and a third innings of scoreless Major League Baseball pitching. That's wild. I, I'm not sure people understand how hard that is to do. Former podcast. I'm Zach Allen. See you later, Big Grits. February 11th, 2020. If you want to go back and listen to, if you want to go back and listen to the most normal guy to he ever is. throw 44 consecutive scoreless Major League innings, that's your show. Yeah, Zach Allen, very low key, just normal dude. When he was in here. You would have had absolutely no idea there's one of the best pitchers in the major leagues. Yeah. But that is what he is right now. Great stretch for him. Um, as Jones mentioned, cookout is open. And we were on the scene. And by we, Adam means Adam. 
Right. The Adam, was like, Adam was like, has Jones left uh, with the team for Atlanta yet? Uh, yes, uh, I've checked Sports and Aviation, the Twitter feed. It says they are in the air. And I was like, all right, guys, load up the van. Time to go yeah. to cookout. Dennis Goss went. Claire Curran's daughter and husband went and brought Claire back a peanut butter fudge shake. Yeah, classy move, guys. So here's my review. Uh, and several members of my family have been over the course of this weekend. So we've had multiple takes. And remember, we love cookout. So, oh, 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 well, I, I'm just saying that any of our uh, possible suggestions are made from the heart and with love. Uh oh. So, it's not a double drive through, as you know, cookout with the two windows. It's a single drive through, but when it gets crowded, they split the line into two behind the window. And then there's somebody out in the parking lot, which we've discussed. That's a, the former Burger King. Traffic might be an issue. The line is in the parking lot, and there's two lines that merge into one as you get closer to where you order. And there's an employee directing things. I see that as a potential hurdle when things get a little crazy. Yeah, that sounds like it could get messy. But it went fine on opening night. Speed of the window, very good. Pleasantness of the employees, excellent. They've got all the favorites you want. We had already broken the news that they are a pro quesadilla cookout, which is big. I think they're, they've got a little work to do on the blending of the milkshakes. Hmm. They're too vanilla and this has come from several different visits. So they're, they're too heavy on the vanilla. I got the pod shake, which, as we know. Yeah, it shouldn't even have a lot of vanilla. But it did. Hmm. And it didn't have enough Oreo because the pod shake has double Oreo. Yeah. There was the big giant Oreo at the top, but not as much inside. So, it and this was day one that I got this. So, by yeah, now they could have yeah, worked it out. Could have gotten it. Maybe they just had, they just a little heavy handed on the vanilla ice cream. Or maybe the blender yeah. wasn't 100%. I think that's probably what it, it was like a preseason scrimmage for the blender. Yeah, that's understandable. So, some work to do there. They don't have the big straws. Maybe the shipment just hasn't come in yet, though. Supply chain problems there. Probably. Microchip issues. They could just run down uh, the highway to Greensboro and get some from that cookout and have them in Chapel Hill. I bet they'll probably have them by the Notre Dame game. Can you imagine the crush on that cookout during the Notre Dame game? Well, and now you've got potential pre-kickoff and post-kickoff crush with 330 starts. Look, if that one in Charlottesville gets crushed like we've seen it be crushed before, this one in Chapel Hill it's going to double that. You're going to need more than one employee directing the parking line. They should <sighs> A lot of room to sit down in this cookout, more than I've ever seen at any other cookout. Chick-fil-A? Yeah, Chick-fil-A's proud sponsor of Tarles too. Um they need to go to Chick-fil-A and get learn how to manage the the line. Yeah. Nobody does the line better than Chick-fil-A. No. That's just the truth. And that's one of those, that's just a basic fact of our life in 2022. No, no one would even argue that. No. Like, there's not even a close second. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yes. The drive through line, pure perfection at, at Chick-fil-A. It, it may take a second, but it's not because they're, that they don't have it moving. It's no. because they they're just have a lot of people. And they just keep innovating. Like, let's add another line. Let's add another person. Yep. Let's add one more spot where you stop. All these are great improvements. Yeah. So you, it, it, I saw a couple of pictures. It does look very spacious inside. Incredible amount of room to sit down, which I think is what they're hoping for 
so that you'll lessen the crush in the drive-thru. Right. The night that I went was Friday night, uh, past my bedtime, like around 1030. I was the only non-student there. Hmm. I safely sat in my car and watched them from afar. Do you think they knew that you were not? <laughs> I don't think so. I'd, you you and Steve Buscemi walked up with your hat on backwards <laughs> and your skateboard? I did see uh, what up to, uh, I'm sure, loyal pod listener Cole Gwaltney out in the uh, parking lot carrying around some shakes. Man, two, two youngsters out yeah. past their bedtime, you <laughs> and Cole. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, highly recommend everyone make a visit. Maybe Jones and I will get invited to go over there at some point. Well, I mean, maybe I'll get to go at some point. Obviously, Adam's just yeah. gallivanting around. I, I just go anytime the mood strikes me. Carolina Kenny sent us a tweet. <laughs> that, that was just a harsh transition. <laughs> it was like, I go all the time. Carolina Kenny. <laughs> he had a question about the Go Heels website and said he's had okay. some issues. Okay. Carolina Kenny. <laughs> I. Carolina <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> I, on my laptop at home. Yep. I've had trouble with it, yep. but that's the only one. Like at work, it works fine. What is what's going on? Now I am using different browsers. The browser here at at work is Google Chrome. The one I use at home is Firefox because I value my privacy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I assume that's it. I assume it's it's something with the browser. Yes, I've taken this to the highest levels of. IT support. They are aware of issues for some users. Sidearm is looking into what might be causing the issues. Sidearm is the company that provides the Go Heels website to yeah. Carolina. They're still working on it. They're having some trouble, as Jones just said, replicating it on all browsers, which I agree with because there was one day where I couldn't get it on my phone. Mm. And it was it was like a you remember how websites looked in the nineteen nineties where yeah. it was like a long list of links? Yeah. It looked like it looked like old school goheels.com. Yeah. yeah. Is mixed bag on here? That's what I'm trying to read. <laughs> Where's Lee's extra points? <laughs> um but then the next day that was fixed. So Carolina Kenny, by the time you hear this, perhaps this has all been resolved. If not, please let us know and we will again escalate this to the proper department. Yeah. I do think it's something with browsers. That's that's my <laughs> IT answer. Guys, what browser? Have you unplugged it and plugged it back in? <laughs> Have you thought about switching to Netscape? Do you need to clear the cache? The cache? <laughs> I think that might help. <laughs> Maybe you're not accepting cookies. Yeah, yeah. That usually makes a big difference. Uh, last thing other than the how can you justify that for us is King Jones. King Jones was talking to his kids about mm. the UNC men's basketball championships, and now King Jones has a question. Can he say Carolina has won a championship every decade he's been alive? King Jones was born in 1982, a few months after the 1982 championship. Can he still argue that this statement is still true? Yes. I think so, too. He was born in the 80s. They won a title in the 80s. Yes. You could have been born on December 31st, 1989, and it counts. That's in the 80s. It's all in how you phrase it. Yeah. Don't say, I've been alive in this many decades when the Tariels won a championship. That's not what you want to say. Right. The Tariels have won a decade, won a championship every decade I've been alive. Yes, that is allowed. Yeah. 
That seems 100% correct. That is not true for me. No. Yeah, me neither. Kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Marquette. Uh, okay, a couple things. Adam, this, uh, we got a tweet from Shea Oaks, said that she was in New York City to see Harry Styles. As you often are. Yep. And realized the UNC New York club is a block away, complete with he's not here, blue cups. Hmm. Nice. So uh, she ended up going and hanging out with some uh, Tar Heels to watch the uh, Carolina Georgia State game. So what is the Carolina hotspot in New York? I don't feel like I ever understood that part of i don't think she i don't think she said the. i mean it appears to be like there is a bar or something but she didn't say what it was didn't it used to be brother jimmy's isn't that kind of near the garden jones i know you don't hit the hot spots quite as much as i do when we go to games but i think that might be right uh our boy vernon yow sent Mm. this uh telescopic shot what this picture was kind oh, yeah. of sad. It made me feel bad. Yeah, this telescopic shot of <laughs> where we were calling the games uh, from Georgia State. Okay, that brings up a couple different things. Number one, look, guys, if I could get Jeff Saturday to be on there every single game, I'd do it. Trust me. Uh, I mean, Adam, I will say, Jeff, Brian, they were awesome. And Brian's, I mean, I, I love Brian. Brian's great all the time. I think he was... His chemistry with Jeff was just it. I thought it even made him even better, and I think he's awesome all the time. Um, having the two of them together was incredible. Both of them obviously have played at the highest level at Carolina and in the pros. And you're just and I tweeted it out afterwards. There are a lot of good radio teams out there, but th- you find me one that has two better analysts than that. I mean, you just got guys who know what they're talking about who have lived it, who can tell you what's important about what's happening. I thought they were awesome on Saturday. And they'll both be there for the Notre Dame game. Yes. And the nice part about that is we won't be in the back corner of the end zone. <laughs> it was it was a tough game to call in that regard. Um, so if you can imagine watching the game on TV, we were stuck kind of in the bottom right corner, if that makes sense, of – the end zone the Tar Heels were going towards in the fourth quarter. So the one to the right of your TV screen. Um, and it was just tough to see. It, it just, the angle was tough. And it's because of that stadium was built athletically for as a baseball stadium. And so the press box is behind where home plate would have been. That makes sense. And home plate would have been right where we're talking about. And so... I mean, the booth was nice. It wasn't an issue of the facility wasn't nice. It was just what it was made for and what it is being used for now is different. And so, I mean, I know there were a couple times where I thought, oh, maybe that's a four-yard gain and it was a six-yard gain or something like It's just it is tough to get it exactly right, even through binoculars, even with the screen. It was was a bit of a challenge. Is that why you didn't have time to do rapid reactions? Uh, Well... I, you stepped up and you, your reactions were rapid. I I did a tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a full fledged rap. Yeah, Adam couldn't do a full fledged. He couldn't yeah. upload it to Go Heels. He didn't know yeah. if your browser was working properly. Yeah, that's right. I'm not going to do it while things are up in the air. Uh, 
Okay, Adam, I guess that leads us to our uh... – Oh, one more thing. Oh. We think the basketball schedule is coming out today. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we have learned information that the ACC is elected to accelerate their <laughs> basketball schedule announcement. <laughs> Way in advance. And uh, so it is going, we believe, to come out this afternoon – Obviously, with the timing of our podcast and that schedule release, we aren't going to talk about it today, but we will talk about it on Friday. And we are looking forward to that. Look forward to round two. Today. Maybe. Yes. That's the, that's the alleged time to put it out. Yes. So probably Thursday at 10.30 a.m. Okay. Adam, let's get to our How Can You Justify That? Brought to you by Crumley Roberts. We stand up for you. Proud partner of Carolina Athletics. I do not have to justify. How can you justify what you've done? How can you possibly justify that? Now, Adam, there are a lot of ways that we could talk about this. How can you justify that? Which falls right on our shoulders. But we have elected to use an email from Rick Payne. Rick, super classy email, by the way. This is like, this is like the email version of the guy getting the guy off the, uh, off the goalpost. I feel like this was composed with a quill pen on some yeah. parchment paper that's scrolled. I bet, up. I bet Rick was a little nervous when he sent this. He's like, I don't want Jones and Adam to be mad at me, but I feel like I would like them to know this information. But I, I, I need to send it in a classy way. Trust me, there were other ways to deliver this message. Yeah, and Rick hit it out of the park. Okay, here we go. Jones and Adam, I'm a longtime listener and look forward to your podcasts every week. I don't think I could get through a long running workout without it. Guys, no big deal. Rick runs. For long distances. Yeah, me too, Rick. Sorry, we're just workout bros. Do you dribble, Rick, or you just run? While you rarely make a mistake, (laughs) other than Adam mispronouncing a word, sure. I must point out a glaring error you made in your last pod. During your interview with Rinky Hijikata, you asked him if he knew UNC punter Ben Kiernan since they were both from Australia. Well, unless Australia annexed Dublin, Ireland without Rick knowing, I believe you may have erred. <laughs> Perhaps you were confused and meant to refer to Ben Kiernan the Australian-born American academic and historian who is the Whitney Griswold Professor Emeritus of History, Professor of International and Area Studies, and Director of the Genocide Studies Program at Yale University, not the punter. Thank you, Rick! (laughs) Finally, someone gets me. (laughs) Finally, somebody knows what we were talking about. (laughs) Rinky, do you know uh, Professor Kiernan? (laughs) At Yale? Director of the Genocide Studies Program? I'm, yeah, that's right. The, the Whitney Griswold Emeritus <laughs> Professor of History. That's the one I'm talking about. Fellow Aussie. More likely, you confused Ben Kiernan with former Tar Heel punter Tom Sheldon. Parentheses, great interview, by the way, who actually is from Australia. If my information is incorrect, my apologies. Go Heels, Rick. Rick, so classy of you to send this email in this way. Yes, we did confuse Ben Kiernan with Tom Sheldon. Look, when you're in the heat of a moment of an interview with Rinky Hijikata, some, sometimes the details get a little fuzzy, Adam. 
he was wearing an Australian Davis Cup shirt. Yeah, we were intimidated. We were in the midst of international yeah. relations. We were like, where is Andre Agassi? <laughs> <laughs> we need somebody to fly the red, white, and blue in here. <laughs> Let me just see you return that Jimmy Connors two-hand backhand, sir. We had guests in the studio that day. There was a lot happening. Yeah. So, yes. Adam and I, well, more accurately, I incorrectly, and Adam did not fix my mistake, which you know if he had known it was a mistake at the time, he would have done. (laughs) Incorrectly said Ben Kiernan was was from Australia. We were thinking of Tom Sheldon. We know, of course, Ben Kiernan originally from Dublin. Ben Kiernan, our sincerest apologies. But, but, I do think you could probably give us a little bit of credit for that 70-yard punch you had the other day since you were probably still angry thinking about the fact that we had incorrectly said you were from Australia. And I'm going to be honest, I think Ben and Rinky would get along. Yeah. We're just trying to bring the world a little closer, as you said on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. If we're going to let these things like boundaries of countries and nationalities, that's going to bring us down, then what are we doing? I imagine Rinky reaching out to Ben, which has probably already happened, like, hey, mate, yeah, I heard you were from Australia, and it sounds like we got a lot in common, and Ben's like a little confused. He's like, well, I'm not sure about that, but this seems like a nice chap. They get together over some pints or pints of water. Well, if they're both 21. Coca-Cola. Yeah. And have a chat and then at the end they share a hearty laugh because rinky's like say i don't recognize what area of australia your accent's from and ben's like well i'm actually from ireland but i didn't want to tell you we were having such a jolly time and they exchange numbers and are best friends for life yeah jones did that you're welcome and thank you rick Payne, for your classy email but a well-deserved how can you justify that for Adam and me, brought to you by Crumley Roberts, where they stand up for you, proud partner of Carolina Athletics. We're almost done. Not quite. You need to adjust that volume. Here comes an ad. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So... Do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Okay, uh, do we have a podcast on Friday? Yes, we do. Adam? I haven't done it yet, but we feel confident it's going to happen. Hubert Davis is going to be with us on Friday. The head coach of the Tar Heels, Adam. Can't wait to hear what kind of summer he's had. Get him to tell us all about live action. Yeah. And anything else he wants to talk about. So, we're going to have Coach Davis. We'll have that ACC schedule to talk about. Some other stuff, too. Maybe I will have gotten to go to cookout by then. Who knows? We'll see if Adam sends me the invite or not. He's probably going to wait and see. He's going to be like, okay. He's probably planted a chip in my phone and he's going to see like when I am the farthest distance possible from Chapel Hill. And he's going to call me and be like, hey, mate, <laughs> let's go to cookout. And I'm going to be like, oh, I can't do it. I'm in Graham. <laughs> and Adam's going to be like, 
And I was like, oh, that's a cracker of a mistake. I'll go again and let you know if they've fixed that shake combo. That's kind of like what the rinky uh, yeah. Ben Kiernan conversation probably sounded like. Yeah. It's like a little preview. Okay. We're going to let Linda Finley and the RZA get us out of here on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider. I'm Linda Finley. See you later, Big Grits. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat grits for dinner. Pound box of sugar and a stick of margin. A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes. Big silver pot boiling water salt in it. House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing. Pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat greens for dinner. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.